Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I am Sam Nifty Delaney. So well. It's the Manchester Odyssey again. We're following Roy of the Rovers in the 1980s. I think we're in early 1982. From the book, The Best of Roy of the Rovers, the 1980s. Get one if you haven't got one before now. It is fucking brilliant. Even if you've never listened to all these episodes that we've done, it's a great book. Um, we are up to... Uh, what just happened? Let's find out, because it tells can us... I, can I just, just... This is like, you know, I know we don't like tangents. but What's um, that you've got in your hand, Sam? I've got the 1960s Roy Whoa. of the Rovers book. Just to say, as, as people know, that, you know... We've, me and Len are simultaneously reading Roy Rovers, but we get through them at a much faster rate than you and I you don't do. do. One a week, do you not? So, so we we did the eighties a while ago. Then we did the seventies, which is great. We're currently on the sixties, which is basically it gets progressively madder the further back in time you go. And as I've discussed before, right. it's very it's very violent. Like Roy, almost always punches someone every week. But <laughs> I nearly texted you a photo of this last night because. As introductions to, you know, the little thing in the top left-hand corner that yeah. in the beginning of a of an episode that tells gives you a recap. Yeah. Um, as they as recaps go, this is really strong, um, and I suppose I'm just saying it now because it's on my mind, but also because this is a taste of what's to come. Because fear not, listeners, when we have finished Roy, Roy Race of the '80s, which we will do, well, we've got a few pages left, so probably in about a year. Uh, we'll do the seventies and then the sixties. We'll work backwards, probably. Although we have all the rest of the eighties. No, well, we might do one day. We've got all the eighties ones, haven't we? Yeah. That you've got. Anyway, okay, so we might not do this, but just oh, to give might. you a taste in case you we want might to go start on. Doing, we might start doing two Melchester episodes a week. So yeah, we it might be several. all Melchester by the end of next year. Okay. On the eve of their FA Cup semi-final against Kelford City. The Rovers' superstitious centre-half Ozzy Jones accidentally injured a gypsy who placed a curse on him. <laughs> what? Read that again, please. <laughs> on the eve of their FA Cup semi-final against Kelford City, the Rovers' superstitious centre-half Ozzy Jones accidentally injured a gypsy. <laughs> and the next placed- bit. Who placed a curse on him, right? Curse in inverted commas, right? Involving superstitious centre half. Involving Ginger Lacey, the Kelford centre forward. 
That's it. Unknown to the Rovers, the Gypsy was really Nick Snary, a former member of the Supporters Club, who was determined to prevent the Rovers reaching Wembley. The whole ah. the whole storyline is about a mad Trevor Brinston type fanatic who is banned from the ground yeah. for just being a troublemaker, and so he yeah. turns completely on Roy and the Mel- and the Rovers, and actually says, "Right, if I can't support them, nobody can." Right, so <laughs> he so he starts doing everything in his power to get knocked out of the FA Cup, which is really reflective of the fact that back in those days, everything was about winning the FA Cup. Everything, yeah. like the league's yeah. like, oh yeah, well he we won the league. It's not like winning the FA Cup. And so this has been going on for what would have been in real time months. Just the story Fucking of Nick hell. Snary going through all of these different ways of trying to get Melchester knocked out of the cup. And so I might mention before, one thing he does is he invites them down to the docks. He yeah. sends a phony letter. And then when they get there, all sharing a car, he operates a crane to have that car smashed into the water <laughs> so they nearly drown. Sends them a letter. But you must it, come to the docks. And then in this one, he dresses up as a gypsy and hides in some bushes near a golf course where he knows the Rovers are playing. And he stands in such a place that he's very likely to get hit by a ball. And when he does, the superstitious centre-half runs over and Nick Snary is dressed in a really quite racist gypsy outfit. And he starts speaking in gypsy talk, what the authors of Roy the Rovers thought was gypsy talk, right? And uh, puts a curse on him, knowing that Ozzy Jones is really superstitious and that the curse Fucking will really hell. get under his skin. That's really clever. That's and really then, good. And um, then he invites loads of other gypsies, travellers as we would call them, but in mm. the book, to the ground to cause trouble. And Roy, during this game, when he can see that this that there's a bunch of gypsies in the crowd causing trouble, Roy literally just goes, oh my God, there's loads of gypsies in the crowd, right? <laughs> And then he runs over in the middle of the game and jumps into the crowd, Cantona style, right? And he says, I'm not sure which one of you did it because one of them's chucked something on the on the pitch, right? But he literally says, I'm not sure which one of you did it, but you'll do. And he chins the first gypsy he sees. <laughs> you'll do. <laughs> the biggest lad. <laughs> With a dynamic leap, Roy vaulted into the crowd. You're not the one that put the jinx on Aussie, chum. But you'll do. That's it. No one's even thrown something. He spots these gypsies and he's like, one of those gypsies is the ones that that put a curse on Aussie down at the golf course. So I'm going to, in the middle of a game, jump into the crowd and punch a gypsy arbitrarily. Yeah, he's putting down a marker. And he just fucking whacks one of them. Then he gets back on the pitch and carries on playing. They're going, Roy, what would you do that for? And he just goes, Blackie goes, well, I... What on earth? And Roy goes, I'll explain later. (laughs) (laughs) All that matters now is holding out until half time. Right, for a start, I'll change positions. I'll explain later. The ref doesn't say anything, and nor do the police. (laughs) I'll explain later. I just had to go and punch. I saw some gypsies in the crowd, so I I just had to go and knock one of them out. But look, it's done now. Lawn to himself. I wonder if that sort of thing went on a lot back then. Disgruntled fans turning against their their clubs and trying to ruin them. Maybe it did. It's happened twice in Royal the Rovers in twenty years. So maybe. Can you imagine any circumstances under which Sunderland would upset you so profoundly that you would start a personal (laughs) vendetta against them and try to sabotage? Well, I mean, if Sunderland banned me from going to matches, I'd probably fucking thank them. I'd send them a bunch of flowers. (laughs) You should have been banned after you did that tackle on your kid. 
I should have been. I yeah. thought I thought you were facing at least three months banned. Well, I but, mean, that was one of the highlights of the but, season. But you know, it's because you're like, uh, you know, you're sort of like a local celebrity, and it's one yeah. rule for you, and another rule yeah. for the ordinary fans. Exactly. Like you're yeah, swanning yeah. in there, fucking beating up children effectively on the pitch, right? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's fine because we can't afford to not have Andy Dawson in our circle of trust because exactly he's an influencer. It. I mean, my son doesn't like to talk about it now. He, he refuses to I'm speak about it. So, uh, it's traumatic. Traumatic incident in front of 30,000 people. But, you know, it's part of, it's part of growing up, isn't it? <laughs> you didn't have to shout, have that, as you went through him. <laughs> Cleaned you out, son. Cleaned you out. Lesson learnt, yeah? Oh, good times. The, the <laughs> have, times of Have cramps. some respect. Yeah. That's you putting your fucking box, lad. <laughs> right. Getting back, getting back to the 1980s. Yeah. Here we are. Uh, let's see what this one says about what's happened and what's about to happen. Uh, Roy had made such a rapid recovery from the gunshot wound, which had almost killed him, that he had been pronounced fit to make a comeback yeah. for Melchester Rovers against Hunterford in a second division league match. And as kickoff time approached, even the most famous player manager in football felt a little anxious. I can't think of any other player managers there were in football in 1982. There weren't that many player managers around. It wasn't that much of a thing. It was a rarity, wasn't it? I know Dal right. Gleish did I mean, it. there was a spell. Basically, Dal Gleish took over in 86, I think, didn't he? Yeah. Well, or no, yeah. 85 it would have been, yeah, because then yeah. he won the double in 85, 86. That's right, yeah. And and until then, I don't think I'd really heard of it. I think Roy of the Rovers was the only place where you had he, one. He, he came up with the idea. <laughs> yeah. Dal Gleish did it, and then after that, there was like, I think... There was a little spell where people kind of, because Dark Leash had made a success of it, people thought, oh, maybe this is a thing we should get into. But to be honest, fucking a player manager is the sort of shit that you only do like in your Sunday league team out of sheer desperation. Yeah. The idea that a big club like Liverpool ever have said, I'll oh, just let one of the players run things should be fine. It's fucking mad, <laughs> really, worked. isn't it? Looking it back. It fucking worked. I mean, how well do we think Roy's meant to be at this stage? Is he about 30, do you think, looking at him? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, at least. Because obviously he's not the young whippersnapper that he was in the 60s when he was punching gypsies left, right and centre. Well, no, I mean, but, but effectively he's the same age as he was then. He just hasn't really aged. Is he? Was he not if you a go young man? If you go back to the 1950s annual, which I also have, you see him on his first ever trial, which we right. saw when we went to the Roy, Rover, Roy the Rovers exhibition yeah. that time. They, you see him as a as a proper kid on trial, right? Right. When he first gets the, spotted by a scout, but so in the fifties you see him as a kid, but from the sixties onwards through the seventies and the eighties, he's the same age throughout, right? Which okay. I would say is early thirties, somewhere yeah, around that. That's what he looks like to me here. Mm. So here he is, um, pretty much in the dressing room. Um, and he's just standing there in the middle of the dressing room. They're, with all, his hands. they're all standing in a circle around him. And he's got his hands on his hips and he just says, Well, lads, how do I look? And Blackie's got a mouse. He's always with Blackie. goes, Great! Great! Oh, my God, you're like an Adonis. You're statuesque, like you've been carved from marble by Leonardo da Vinci or one of them. You're a perfect human specimen, boss. It's like oh, you're conscious. It's like I can see a painting by Michelangelo on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. 
totting God by his hand. Oh, God, what do you taste of? Can I have a lick? Just a little lick? I bet you taste of one of them strawberry milkshakes you get off the burger bars. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Nat Gosden. Nat Gosden, who I think has had hair plugs because his hair's grown back a little bit. Like, you've never been away, Racy. And then fucking funny cunt. What's his name again? Noel Baxter. Noel Baxter. The question is, how do you feel? (laughs) Fuck off, Baxter. I know that's a trick question. Yeah. It's much deeper, really, because it's not just about how you look, it's about how you feel. Are you physically fit enough? Fuck off, Baxter. Oh, fucking hell. And then, um, yeah, who's this that comes in? It's actor Robert Powell. That's exactly no, who he looks like. <laughs> I'm just fresh from playing Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so Noel Baxter says, how do you feel? And Roy, <clears throat> Roy says, I- I- I'm not sure. There's a bit of spot of weakness here, which is rare. I- I'm not sure. There's something at the back of my mind that, that I... And then Robert Powell comes in as Jesus <laughs> and interrupts. Maybe this is real. Maybe this is a fucking illusion. I don't know. Sur- Maybe surprise, Roy sees cons. Jesus. It's me. Yeah. We've, we've organised a great prank for Roy's comeback game. It's the sort of thing Noel Baxter would do. We'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll get, we'll get um, Robert Powell, who played Jesus, to turn up pretending to be <laughs> Jesus. And Roy will get all confused. <laughs> yeah. You think it's an illusion? You think he's hallucinating? Because of the bullet in his head. So, yeah, uh, and he comes and he says, Hey, Roy, we're ready when you are. And it says, Roy grinned gratefully at Frank Douglas, the Hunterford Skipper. It's not Jesus, it's Frank Douglas. Well, you know, we're ready when you are. Fuck off. Get, you know what I mean? get out. Just fucking get on your knees and suck his cock while you're about it. Fucking just, it's a fucking football match. Get out there, Frank. And I'll tell you what, first chance you get... Get right fucking into him. Because, yeah. you know, you just heard him say there's something at the back of his mind when you've walked in the door, so obviously psychologically he's not right. Fucking hell. I've just don't worry, lads, I've just moved into Roy Race's fucking mind. Rent free, thank you very much. <laughs> and I'm gonna give it a fucking good lick of paint. Maybe stick up some wallpaper. I'm stripping Make the wallpaper. Me over. Um and Roy says, Thanks all the same, Frank. But there'll be no guard of honour stuff today. It's back to serious soccer business. For what all I of call us. SSB. That's serious <laughs> soccer, business. soccer business. Oh, dear me. Okay. But, of course, um, he runs out onto the pitch himself before the rest of the team. They're all waiting in the tunnel. So there's no guard of honour, but he's gone out there by himself. Hooray! They all shout. And Roy thinks, it's time I started earning those cheers too, with my boots. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, advertising hoarding there for Swanley, whatever the fuck that is. Yeah, and next week, Phillips. Yeah. Um, Phillips is uh, an actual brand. Usually it's just Melchester, brands mm. from the Melchester universe. The dear excuse um, gone. I can't think of another fucking made up name of a company. I've got, I've got Swanley. Phillips. I'll just put fucking Phillips. And if they sue me, I'll get round it by just cutting it off so you can't see the S. And it's just like <laughs> Philip. 
and I'll, I'll I'll write to them and I'll tell them I've done it. I'll see if I can get one of them new electric razors out of them. It's worth trying it. One of them fucking music centres. They're fucking <laughs> incredible, right? You see, it's a radio, then it's a, t- a tape cassette, then there's something else just with dials on. I don't know what that is, but it just makes it look dead big. And then on the top, you have your record player. Fucking the lights are unbelievable. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you, you saw a music centre? Yeah. I fucking, my dad got a music centre. Yeah. And I just thought, this is like fucking Star Trek now. Yeah. My dad bought one in 1982. I can remember the day we bought it. Yeah. And uh, I was very much not allowed to go near it. Really? What, was your, what, did, what did your dad play on it? Fuck all, mate. Really? The he fucking just wanted shadows. Because he thought it was, oh, really? <laughs> the fucking shadows. I don't know why he bought it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. But, yeah, my I don't know what my dad played in it. My dad, who had been involved in the rock and roll industry when he was younger... Well, of course, he's a title to get one, isn't he? Yeah. When he got, when he got to that age... He, you know, he started um, pretending. Well, maybe he was. Um, I say pretending, but he was all always into classical music. But I think oh. that was to do with like aspiration a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, I do so adore back, and he'd put, get a fucking music and put it down. Anyway, I didn't give a fuck what he was playing. I just gave a fuck about the lights. That's what. That's what fucking <laughs> yeah. blew your mind, wasn't yeah. it? It was the yeah. way that the, they had lights that went up and down in rhythm. Like the graphic equaliser, but it would yeah. Yeah, show you the Un- output, wouldn't it? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, but the other funny thing about it, I don't know if your dad did this, but we eventually got one um, in my mum's my house. I can't remember how we got one. It was a few years later. But we did it, and I think my dad did it, and pretty much most people I knew did it. They kept it on the fucking floor, mate. How oh, we got a case, not a case, a, a unit to keep it in. <clears throat> well, a unit you to had keep the right idea. With space for records underneath, storage well, for records underneath. Well, that's good, because we kept it on the floor, and on so did and so did uh, a few other people I knew. And obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of, I'm not, I don't want to be a fucking audio nerd. I'm not one of those, I'm not a sonic nerd, right? But, <laughs> but obviously... You don't have to be a fucking nerd to know that that's a fucking waste of a good music system, isn't it? To stick it the speakers on the fucking of, floor. Get you full of dust as well, isn't it? Yeah, it was a load of bullshit, man. <clears throat> Getting back, well, sort of di- digressing from that a little bit. Do you? Rem- I mean, do you remember when show jumping was massive on the telly? 
at least on BBC <laughs> no, One. Not really. <clears throat> Probably um, before your kind time. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I suppose I found myself very familiar with show jumping, and I guess that must have been because it was on telly a lot. Yeah, they used to have the Horse of the Earth show. It used to be on BBC One, and there was a, there was a thing called, I think it was the Puisson, which is where they had to jump over the wall, and the wall yeah. got higher and higher each time. And oh, eventually yeah, this yeah, wall yeah. was like fucking eight yeah, foot high. It was on a lot, wasn't it? Fucking yeah. <clears throat> but remember Harvey Smith, who was the, one of the biggest fucking show jumper of the, of the yeah. day, and he once gave a V sign to some fucking cunt when he finished riding around on his horse. Fuck off. Some cunt that, yeah, exactly, that was him. Yeah. <clears throat> he, one of his horses that he used to ride was called Sanyo Music Centre. Because <laughs> sponsorship entered the world of show jumping in the early Amazing. 1980s. So this, this horse is called Sanyo Music Centre. Sanyo was a classic, but wasn't Sanyo, didn't Curry's and Dixon's have their own brands? Um, Yeah. I sort of thought remember. Sanyo was one of them. I think Sanyo was just a Japanese one. I don't think it was. The, Matsuai, was that one of them? Oh, Matsuai yeah. was Dixon's, I think. The, the hierarchy when it came to hi-fi equipment <laughs> and particularly personal stereos, Walkman, there was, of course, you had all those ones. And then you got slightly higher. You had like JVC, mm. Philips, Panasonic, mm-hmm. Sony. You thought King Sony was gold level, but there was one above it, above even having a Sony Walkman, the what brand was that? that was considered superior. What? Iowa. Iowa, mate. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Iowa. At my school, like <clears throat> people had Sony Walkmans. Someone goes, you know, so and so, he's got a fucking Iowa, mate. Iowas are the best. <sighs> Iowa was, I don't know what happened to Iowa. Maybe it got bought out by Sony in the end. But Iowa was regarded by the schoolboy community around my way as really? the fucking bollocks, right? It was well, above Sony. Well, I'm not going to argue with you. That's not, that's not some information that ever reached me. In and the and also, in car stereos. Mm. He's got a fu- his dad's got a fucking Iowa stereo in his car. Really? And you can pull it out. I think we'll have to go onto one of those um, websites that has catalogued the entire range of Argos catalogs back from 1976 oh, onwards. And we'll have to just that, do some comparisons from that. Those are my favourite websites. We'll deep the dive Argos, them next. I would love to. <laughs> like, Argos catalog websites are... The Argos I mean, Odyssey. I fucking <laughs> love them. Right, I love them so much. Like, best section, obviously, always toy section. Probably after that, yeah, electric hi-fi equipment, and then there are key sections as you get older for the sexy ladies. Not um, in Argos. Yeah, no, you can get sexy ladies in Argos because they'll what, have bras? a lady in a swimming costume. Oh, um, right, okay. Demonstrating like one of those sort of. Like you get a hot tub or something like yeah. that, and it, well, they won't be in bikinis, but they'll be. It's enough. I mean, I'm talking about when you're like uh, 14, right? I mean, did you never have the case catalogue or the Little Woods catalogue? Yeah, they yeah, just my mum would have had all of those sections, entire sections of women's underwear. Yeah, and let me tell you, that was quite the thrill for the triggerable young man. Yeah, in I the mean, in you got more, you got more thrill out of less than now. It's just yeah, whatever. It's you like less than, I was stereos. It's less than zero, isn't it? It's less than zero now. It's like everyone's... Like, nothing means anything because we've just got too much. Yeah, we have. Right, back then, an Iowa stereo and a lady fucking showing you a foot spa whilst wearing a swimming costume. Mm. That was all you needed for a good day on your own. I guess. I guess it was. Maybe we should go back to those times. A picture of an Iowa stereo. 
wonder if the Kears catalogue's still a thing. I might get one sent out. Do you know who owns Iowa now? Uh, well, I was going to guess Sony, but clearly Fucking not. Sony. Is it? Yeah, there you go. Fucking well, that's how you, that's how you succeed. I learned quite a lot about the cereal business when I read, about 10 years ago, Alan Sugar's autobiography, <laughs> which I can't remember why I did it, but I did it, like, sort of in one sitting. Jesus. And talk about, they should have called it, like, all right, cunts, which, of course, yeah. was what you, you, you coined that phrase on behalf of Alan Sugar Morning Cunts. Morning Cunts. Right. It is the most needless uh, The Last Laugh autobiography ever, which is saying yeah. something because most middle-aged white men in their books and in their day-to-day lives form their entire narrative of everything around mm. how they eventually had the last laugh on everyone who ever doubted them. Yeah. Uh, but Alan Sugar more than anyone. and But, he, God, it's dull at points because he goes into such immense detail about how he got into the stereo business, right? And how he... You know, he fucking built them himself, more or less. He just worked out. He took Did the he? stereos to pieces and worked mm. out what the component parts were. I then, went out and bought all the bits. Yeah, then he cobbled together enough dough from his fucking market stall, right, to fucking fly to Korea, right, and just mm. go around buying all, negotiating the best deals for all the bits that you needed. Then you get I all need the, the bits. bits for the speakers. Put this them in bit this bag. From him. This bit from him, this bit from him. Didn't I didn't fucking speak Korean, but he'd just go out there. All right, cunts, don't worry, I'll make myself understood. <laughs> These Koreans, right? A lot of them, a lot of them can fucking understand every word. They're just trying it on with you. You just speak slowly and loudly, and they get the gist. <laughs> I need some bits for no, the speakers. Bits. I've already got them bits. I win the other bits, you daft <laughs> bastard. Now get them sent back. Back to Britain. <laughs> yeah, and then he set up like a production line. He hired like a sort of a lockup, and he had a, just a physical production line. This is when Amstrad had started, and everyone probably thought there was a big factory somewhere. No, he had a fucking production line, including his old dad and his uncle and just people he mm. knew, all standing in a fucking line. Someone put one pit in, pass it on to the next bloke, he'd put mm. the next bit in. Someone else had built the fucking box out of some wood and varnish it, make it look nice, so it looked yeah. like it came in a cool cabinet. And then he'd just go round and fucking sweet talk Dixons and Curries into stocking them. Fuck it, hell. Well, that's how you that's how you get somewhere in life, isn't it? You go to the extra yard. Yeah, fuck that. I suppose. <laughs> I'm, yeah. reading it thinking, <laughs> I'm reading that book thinking, this sounds like a lot of hassle, mate, right? And you've got a lot more money than me, but you always look quite pissed off and angry all the time. Yeah. Yeah, what's that about? <laughs> right. He's got the ump all the time. He never gets any time to himself, yeah. right? Because he's always working or making The Apprentice. I just think, mate, chill out. I, You know, I haven't got time to be set going back and forth to Korea buying all those stereo bits. If you're a multi-millionaire like he is, what the fuck are you doing The Apprentice for? I know. Retire? Well, what was he, like 68, 70 or something? Knock it on honestly, the Honestly, that is an extremely good question because it's like you're rich. You've got all the things that you've worked hard for your whole life are so you can have comfort and pleasure with your family. That's what most people are working towards. And then you just lose sight of it and you become addicted. And he will be addicted to the fame and attention. That's mind problem. you, mind you, you look at the amount of input that he has in the programme, it probably only works like fucking 12 days a year on it. So, true. you know, one day That's a week. True. They said that he, he, he would probably argue, and it, there is 
it is a good argument. It is true that by maintaining his profile via mm. flagship fucking, I mean, if you think of the amount of marketing and publicity money that gets spent by the average company, right, mm. to to keep themselves at the forefront of people's minds, what it means is if there's a fucking deal to be done and Alan Sugar picks up the phone, then someone fucking answers because they're like, fucking hell, it's Alan Sugar off The Apprentice, yeah. right? If he's been out of the public eye for five years or even two years, he's not calling up the fucking Department of Trade and Industry and going, it's me, Alan Sugar. Remember, the geezer who used to own Spurs and knocked out all them hi-fis in the 80s. Can I speak to the minister in charge? They're like, fucking stroll on, mate. Right? But if you're exactly going, it's me, Alan Sugar. I'm on the box all the time, on The Apprentice. Can I speak to the minister in charge? They go, oh, of course, Lord Sugar. We'll work exactly. you straight through. So yeah, that's true. That's why he does it, probably, and yeah, it probably does help him, especially if he's managed well, to limit it to just like because he's never in the same room as them either, is he? Well, this is it. He just comes on at the beginning. Sometimes there's a hologram, and just tells them what he wants them to do, and then he turns up in the boardroom at the end for ten minutes, shouts at them, and sacks one of them. So it's not a lot of fucking cunts. work, is it? He reads out uh, a lot of lines that have been written for him by fucking comedy writers, <laughs> and then sacks someone. Yeah, that's right. It's me. Obi Wan ka fucking no be. No, only joking. It's Lord Sugar. <laughs> yeah, he's seventy three. I've just had a look. Fucking hell, mate! Pack it in. Jesus Christ! I found on eBay, uh, eBay, and Iowa—they've got quite a few Iowa Walkman for sales. And what happens is, obviously, I don't need a Walkman. What would I do with it? Would they work? I don't own any cassettes, mm. but. When you obsess over something when you're a kid, you aspire to it that much. You look at pictures mm. of it and every day you want something, right? So badly, but you can't afford it, right? Yeah. And then you're an adult and you've got your own money and some yeah. of these things that seemed impossibly expensive, so you think, well, that is within reach. I could get it. And you find yourself sometimes buying this shit that is no longer relevant to your life, but it's yeah. almost like a gift to your younger self, isn't it? Do you yes. ever do that? I bought the Atari console thing that was reissued a couple of years ago. And it's only about 30 quid. And it's got like, you know, like fucking 10 games on it, including fucking Pong. And uh, I think it's got snakes on there or something. It might even have Space Invaders. All built into it. All built into the thing. You don't have to get the cartridges or anything. Just built in. I got about 40 minutes fucking enjoyment out of it. And now it just yeah. sits in a fucking corner of it's the room It's just a somewhere. gift to your younger self. It was, and yeah, there's something it like, in it. I would have loved to have had it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do it sometimes with like clothes or trainers. I see like sort of reissues and stuff that I'm far too old to be wearing. I don't even particularly like it anymore, but I sort of see it through, through my 16-year-old eyes and think how much I wanted it and yeah. how easy yeah. it would be for me now to acquire it. I can it, do it now because I'm a big adult. Exactly. It's the sort of thing I'd do with a statement mirror. <laughs> I, I wanted that mirror when I was a child and I couldn't afford it, but now I can and I shall have Hello. it. Hello, mum. It's me, your son. Guess what I just bought? <laughs> that thing you wouldn't let me have when I was 12. And she's I've like, well, I don't, know, I, I don't know where you're going to keep that. You haven't got enough room in your house. Yes, I'll put it in the lockup at Big Yellow Storage. I've got a whole lockup full of this crap. I don't even get it sent home. I get it sent straight to the lockup from Amazon. <laughs> just lock it up in there. But the important thing is, I know it's there. <laughs> and I've got it now. And when I wake you up said in the I night have it, and, and I have fears and anxieties it. about what I have done in this life, I think of my lock-up full of all the lovely stuff i got. <laughs> and then I take pictures of it 
and I send it to all the people I used to go to school with. I send <laughs> it to my Facebook and go, look at this cunt. Look at this BMX I just fucking got. Look <laughs> <laughs> at this punch I bag I got. Frank Bruno punch looked. bag. <laughs> look at this. Fetch Armstrong. It's Stretch Armstrong's <laughs> dog, you cunts. <laughs> Mr. Frosty. <laughs> got them all out. <laughs> BMX rally burner. <laughs> Super burner with gold frame. Oh, fucking hell. Um, Boba Fett spaceship slave one, <laughs> and it's got in it a fucking carbonized fucking hand solo. I got that sent from America. <laughs> I haven't played with it. It's in my lockup. <laughs> it's a collectible. Uh-huh. If you open it, it could, you, you you might as well just set fire to a thousand pounds. If you've bought a toy, you don't play with it. You're a cunt. <laughs> you're a nonce, actually. You're a nonce. Yeah. <laughs> Right, we've only got like a, a quarter of the way through this, so we're just going to leave it because we've we've got fucking um, kids running on the pitch. We're, we're fucking boards writing on all sorts, so we'll just we'll just do it next week. There's all no right, way we're going to yeah. get through all of this. There's yeah, no rush. fair enough. No, we're not. No yeah, one's in a rush over a, this. Are we've you? had a nice chat about this and we've that. All, and we, we've, so. have, we've all learned a lot, and that's yeah, that's what's important. Yeah, mm. so there we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. I just, I'm just uh, fucking anxious to get on the fucking Argos catalogue site, to be honest. So, yeah. Quite glad we're yeah. wrapping this up. Do some research. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take the FN Kids. Bye, everyone. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.